Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast for our Sunday services. Please open your Bibles as we dive into our study this morning. Galatians chapter 1. Uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, I, uh, I was just spending time with the Lord and I was asking Him, like, I want to know you more, Jesus. I want to I wanna just continue on just understanding the depths of who you are. And what you've done, and, and just my, in my relationship with Him, and I, I asked, Lord, would you lead me in your word um, to just see as we continue on in this journey? And He led me to Galatians 1. And uh, just a beautiful book, a hard book, uh, a serious book um, about the grace of God. And how it, it truly came to us to save. And it came through what Jesus did on the cross. Um, the book of Galatians were, was written to a group of people from Paul. that It wasn't a city. Galatians isn't a, Galatia was, it wasn't a city. It was an area. It was a group of, of churches that um, Paul had spent some time with on his first, second, and third missionary journey. Um, planning churches. And... And he, of course, Paul went in there. And these were a group of people who originally, I guess, came from France and came over and found themselves resting in what we know today as Turkey. And, um, you know, they were, they're an interesting group of people. They're very, I believe even Caesar said, they're, they're very willing to jump to thing to thing. As I look at it and, and I see them operate, they're just very willing to, oh, this is the new thing I want to do. Oh, this is this. This is that. I want it. I want it. I want it. And so they were just not anywhere, not fixed on any one thing. And, and we know um, when Paul and Barnabas came in, uh, Paul did a healing on someone. And these guys were like, wow, who is this guy? And just started worshiping him like you are who we need. Like you can't leave. And they're just, and Paul rips his clothes and is like, you don't get it. You don't get it. It is not me. It is not. So you just see this, these, this group of people, this heart to just, here's something, I want to grab hold of it. Here's something, I want to grab hold of it. And Paul has to write to them, you're being overtaken. I came to you and I shared the, great, the gospel of grace. I shared with you Jesus and I saw what it did in your lives. But you're now listening to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but people are coming in. Judaizers were coming in and they were saying, you know, this grace thing, it's good, but don't forget about the traditions of our fathers. Don't forget about what we can do to get to God. And Paul's just like, that's just so far from it. Has nothing to do with what man can do to get to God. It's what he's always done to draw us near. And so that was my prayer. Lord, help me just draw closer to you. And he goes, listen, you need me. You need me. Because you can't do it. You can try, you can try, you can try, you can try. You can, you can perform, you can work, you can apply. You, you can think that you might have something or you can think that you have nothing. And still trying to get this attention, still trying to make it a thing to get closer to God. And he says, it's not how it works. He said, Jordan, for so long you've been performing. I've had an interesting season in life. Um, where I let go of the grace of God. So given to me. So, so there, abundantly. Just take this grace and just know that I love you. I've always loved you and I'll always love you. And I'm like, I don't need that. I got this. I can do this. And I tried. And for a season, I'd say I was doing all right. But then you just get tired. And you get bitter. And you get exhausted. And you get hard. And the Lord the whole time is just saying, come back, come back, come back. And you're just like, I don't even know what that means. To come back to what? How do I get back? How do I get back? How do I get back? It's not about you accomplishing anything. It's about just understanding. And so just so beautifully, the Lord gives us His grace so that we can just know Him. And in this chapter, like we think of grace and we know like if, if it grace, I messed up, Lord. I, I read this thing on Facebook. Um, it, it said religion. I 
oh no, I blew it or something like that. I, my dad's going to kill me. That's what religion is. Oh man, I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. The gospel of grace is, oh man, I messed up. I got to go talk to my dad. How freeing is that? Imagine if we lived there. Imagine that if we didn't once again drop the ball, mess up, find ourselves falling short, dealing with this whole flesh rival spirit thing. And it's like, oh man, he's going to kill me. I can't believe that. And I walked in. I walk in. That's, that's typically where I find myself. But how much more amazing would it be that on, the, on my heart, because of his grace, messed up. Oh man, I did it again. Would you take me? Would you, would you? And he goes, yes. How beautiful is that? That's our God. That's the grace. And so I'm going to pull it together and, <laughs> and jump into this book. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time again. And, and we just ask that your spirit leads us to know you and to be more in love with you because of how much you love us. So guide this time. And open our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we all understand if we wake up doing this, we need him because we can't, okay? Man cannot, so we need to go to him. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from man, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the church of Galatia. So Paul starts off saying, hey, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle. But I need you to know something. It's not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ. He starts this because there's this, these Judaizers, they came in and and wanted to re-implant their ways, re-implant, reintroduce to them that it's, yeah, Jesus, okay, but man. Look at what we can do, the law, the obligations, everything that we have to do. And Paul's just like, I need to keep telling you that it's not. It's not from men. I'm an apostle. I, I'm a man that shares good news. And I've been called to do it to the Gentiles. And I can tell you that it's not because of men. It's not through men. It had nothing to do with men. It was a revelation I had on the road while I was going to seek and kill Christians. And now I'm an apostle to share the love of Christ to Christians. So that there might be more Christians. I'm telling you, it's not of men was so boldly able to say it because it was from God. And we sit here in this room and, you, and we've heard it said that we all have a calling on our life. We all have a specific uh, fashion in the body of Christ. Something that we get to bring everything He's done in our lives, the gifts, the fashion, the talents. And He's going to use us in His body to play a specific part that no one else can play. And so, what are you to do? What has He called you to do? What has he laid on your heart? That you boldly can go, Lord, this is from you. No man could do this, and no man would give me this. But you have. And it's important to, to, to seek that, and to, and to desire that, and to know that. That this is who he would have you be. It's, an, it's a very encouraging. I, I've been asking the Lord, would you show me? Would you show me what I'm to do in the body? What, what, who am I? Who am I in you? And he's not like... All right, let me write it out. You're an apostle and this and this. Here you go. Now have, it requires so much more faith than that. It's a relationship. And what's beautiful is I'm asking, Lord, what would you, who and, and why and the, and the desires of my heart and the passions. And he's so faithful to use circumstance and situations, bringing you in and saying, what are you going to do about this? And you're like, oh my gosh, my heart breaks over this. My heart, I can't stand to see this. This is not right. What would you want to do? I, need to, I want to have compassion on them. I want to hold, I want to hug. I want to let them know that everything's going to be okay. So you want to show them mercy? I do. I want to just have this divine compassion and pity over them. I've given you the gift of mercy. And it's just like, What? Like, you, it was just, this is just another everyday thing. It just happens. I remember I was driving up behind this guy in a truck, and his tailgate fell down, and stuff started sliding out the back. And I'm like, and pull up next to him. I'm like, sir, roll down your, roll down his window. I'm like, your tailgate fell, and your stuff's falling out. He's like, thank you. Pulled over to the side. And I'm just like, man, that felt good. I'm just like, why was that so fulfilling? And the Lord's like, why was that so fulfilling? I was like, I don't know. I'm asking you. <laughs> Jordan, I created you to be a servant. 
you it's it's you love to serve because I've given that to you and when you get to operate in that gifting there's something that just connects and it just is right so keep your eyes open don't think that just any circumstance is any circumstance just keep your eyes open if you're diligent in praying lord what would you have me do he is so faithful to show you but it's not through men it's not from man. It's through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Well, that's, a, that's way better than man, to have your apostleship coming from a God who raises people from the dead. That's power. A man can say, hey, this is who you are. It's like, can you raise anybody from the dead? No. No, I don't want it. And now with all the brethren that are with me, he's writing to the church of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is just Paul's, we know it to be how he introduces his letters. Grace to you. Grace. And here we go with grace. May there be this overwhelming joy and this overwhelming idea that I'm here. And that though you don't deserve it, I'm still going to give anyway. I love you so much. May that grace, and of course from that grace of, man, I I need something because I'm in a hole and I can't get out. Here's this grace. Comes a peace. And it's from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ from both of them. Who we know gave himself for our sins. Paul's writing, he's saying, I'm going to keep your eyes on Jesus. I I need to keep your eyes on Jesus because it's being turned to man. And I need you to know that this grace and this peace that you've experienced, it comes from Him who gave Himself up for our sins. He really did go to the cross. He really did die so that we didn't have to die in eternal death, separated and apart. He's just focusing them back. He gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from a present evil age. Well, that's a good thing. And you think about that, it's just like, well... Lord, we still experience hard things. We still experience bad things. I don't know where the deliverance of this evil age is coming from because we still have to be praying for these abortion clinics, so on and so forth. And I think as we read it, it's not so much that we're delivered from it, but we're delivered from the power that it has. Uh, There is a power of evil in this present age, and it's such a blessing that we don't have to fear it. Where we don't have to be afraid of it because he who's in us is greater than he who's in the world. We now get an opportunity to say, no, I don't need this. I don't need to be in bondage to this. I don't need to, to engage in it. I actually can just stay away from it. And he has allowed us to do that through his grace. According to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So this was the will that we would have this freedom. That's a good thing. That's who we get to count on. It's someone whose actual will is that we would be free, is that we wouldn't have to suffer under this power of the evil age. So all the more, he's just building in. This is why you need to go to him. Look how good he is. Look at what he does. Keep pressing on into him one day at a time, knowing that you need him. How beautiful of a thing. In verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. To a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some of you, some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So now Paul's writing, I marvel. And this is interesting because this, most of his epistles, is he's so thankful that they're still, I mean, go read some other epistles, that he's, the letters that he's written. I'm so thankful. I praise God for you. I thank God always that you are continuing on in the faith. And here we have this letter I marvel that you are turning away so soon. I'm, a, I'm appalled. I can't believe it. You guys were so radically on fire. You, I saw it burning in your eyes. I saw it being manifested through your lives. You were so on fire. But, and I'm marveling that you've turned away so soon. It hasn't even been so long. And we know that. It's a marvel, but yet we understand because how easy it is to decide, to make a decision at just a small compromise. And from that small compromise, it's just you, you find yourself off track. And so soon, there's a marveling taking place that you found yourself off and away from Him. 
And that's, that's the crazy thing, is, is you're not leaving... When, when you find yourself on a journey of, of disobedience, and now you're, you're dealing with consequences, and you're, just, you're turning your back on your God, and you're going another way... It's not that you've turned your back on people. It's not that you've turned a back on your calling. It's not that you've turned up. You've actually turned your back on God, on Him. As we read in, in the psalm of, of David, when after he falls with Bathsheba, Lord, I have sinned against you and you alone. We know that it's, it's, it's so personal. And he's saying, how come you left your first love? How have you left who, who, is, who has called you? And we see that he says... How you have turned away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ. So you begin to see this word grace again. And it's interesting that this grace is the very instrument that He uses to call. I never really thought about that. I never thought of that's what grace is used for. He's saying that that you have left Him who called you in the grace of Christ. That word in, in the Greek, is, also can be with or by. So you have left Him who called you with the grace of Christ. With the grace of Christ. With this grace that we can know, this attribute of God that we can, we can get to know. He uses that to call us to Him. So when we're asking, Lord, would you show me your grace? He's like, that's the same grace I use to call you by name to Him. But yet, you've turned so quickly away into a different gospel. Verse 7, which is not another. There is no other gospel. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. There are some near... These Judaizers, they're coming back and they're coming and they're co- they're, they want to bring you back to what is good for man. What man can do. They want their traditions to be built back into this gospel. And it's interesting to think, like, when someone comes with a lie and they want to try to put it on top of a truth, they have to do this one thing. They have to break down the truth. So they came in and they're like, you guys, the gospel of grace, it's, it's not what you think it is. Um, it, it's, it's, you really do, there's a work to be done. You really have to keep on with these traditions. And you can't just have this easy, free going. And, and they pervert this gospel and they, they change it as to what it is. And, and they have to destroy it. They have to beat it down. That's what they did with Paul. Paul's, what do you mean Paul's giving you this gospel? He's crazy. He, look at his life. He was once doing one thing, now he's doing another. How can you trust of that man? And you see, when a lie comes in, you have to break down what's already there. And if you've ever experienced in life, that hurts. That hurts when you, when you can imagine Paul, all of his sweat, blood, and tears that he's brought in. And someone wants to come in and change it. But it's truth. You can't, it's truth. It, it is what it is. You can't, you can't take it away. It is reality. And so the only way to take it away is to make it seem like it's nothing. To make it be something that's wrong, something that's evil, something that's not right. And that's their only way to get that out of the way, to get people to start believing something else. I was thinking, Lord, who would want to do that? Who would want to trouble and to pervert that gospel, to to literally have this, this gospel of grace where it doesn't matter who you are and where you are or what you've done, you can come because He came for us. Who would want to pervert that? There's so much freedom for us in the room who have tasted that good news. There's so much... Who would want to pervert that? When I've shared it with kids in Kenya, and you see this new hope that comes into their face because in Africa there is no hope. There's no, there's no life of, of riches. There's just... I hope to make it through the next day. But you bring this hope, this gospel of truth, that He really did come no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done. He's come because He's loved you. And you get to grab hold of that and He's going to take you home with Him someday. And you're going to live for an eternity with no more tears. With no more pain. Who would want to pervert that? Who would want to take that away? It's such a beautiful thing. And the Lord said, who in your life has done that to you? I said, I don't know. He said, you do it. You trouble 
the gospel. You come in with a perverted version. And it's interesting, like, going over to First John. We were in men's study the other day, and this really stuck out to me. But First uh, John chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. So basically, His love is, in the way that it's being perfected, in the way that it's being manifested, it allows us to be bold in the day of judgment, not having any fear. So when we go and stand before the Lord, He's like, I've been so loved by Him, I know I'm going to be ushered in. I know it's going to happen. I am saved. And obviously, there's times we wrestle with that, but you get over that because you had a bad day or whatever. And you just, you get the grace and you get the love, and now you're back and you can stand bold and calm. I will be entering into heaven. I have no fear. Personally, I have no fear. It's, it's written on my heart. It's going to, I have the promised Holy Spirit. He, he reassures me all the time. But then why is it that I have fear of today? I don't have fear of salvation or glorification, but I so fear sanctification. I think about that, and I'm just like, I wake up, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm going to mess up. I'm afraid that I'm not going to perform well. And all of a sudden, I start perverting the gospel of grace. I can stand before the Lord and say, I'm going to be with you someday. But I stand with you today and say, I don't know if you're going to show up. I don't know if you're going to continue the work. He says, I'm going to bring the work to completion, he says in Philippians. I'm going to finish the good work I started. Yeah, but I don't know if you're going to do that today. Because I know who I am. And I know I haven't been doing real well. And I, I, I set out to do this one thing to please man in this way, and it just blew up in my face. And now I've, I've been set back ten steps. He goes, you're perverting the gospel. You are troubling your own walk with thinking that you can do something. These people came in and said, you need to perform, you need to do, you need to be a part of. And I go, oh my gosh, I need to perform, I need to do, and I need to be a part of. And if I'm not doing that, they're going to look at me like I'm, like I'm not doing anything. And, and now you're just in this chaos. But he says, stop. Do you know that grace is now, it was when I first brought you to me, it's going to be throughout this life, and it's going to be as I usher you into. Why are you freaking out? So today, if, you're, if you cause yourself to stumble by what you put on yourself, what you add to your own gospel outside of just believing, he says, the Jews came to Jesus and says, what do we need to do, be doing of the works of God? And he says, you need to believe. And yeah, but what else? Like, I get we got to believe in God, like that he rose the serpent, we look and we get healed, but what else do we need to be doing? Come on. No, you just need to believe. Yeah, but what else do I need to do so that I can be good before God? No, see, there's nothing you can do to be good before God. You're not good before God. <laughs> what I've done, is I've sent the only good one to stand in your place. So when you're standing before God in that judgment, and He goes, are you guilty? Jesus steps in front. He goes, He's innocent. Amen. And I'm back there being like, I'm not. <laughs> and Jesus is like, you are. Why? Because you have faith and you believe. The troublesome that is being brought to this gospel is leaving the belief, leaving the faith, leaving just simply knowing that He is such a good, good Father. And so He says, you have turned so quickly away from Him who's called you the grace of Christ to a different gospel which another. And there are some who are troubling you who want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse 8, he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before now, and I say it again, if anyone preaches you another gospel to you that what you have received, let him be accursed. So he covers every spectrum from us ourselves, if we decide to give you something other than grace, to an angel from heaven. And we know that there's some religions out there that angels and men have come down and given other ways and other gospels and other ideas. He's saying, I'm telling you, if they've come and they've added to it, let them be accursed. I say to you again, if you have received something that's not this, let them be accursed. And I think of the book of Lamentations. I read through it not too long ago. 
and you read verses, chapters 1 and 2, and you're like, these people are doomed. Like this, they are explaining that there is no hope. And that in the, in the Greek, that word accursed means hope without God. That you won't find hope in God. And as he's writing chapters 1 and chapters 2 and half of 3, he's, there's just no more hope. There's no more relief. There's no more grace. There's no more good news. It's all just turmoil and trouble. And he's turned his back against me. And I have to now face punishment and constant torment. And that's what these people have to look forward to. Is that they may no longer find the hope of God. Because of their hardness of hearts that they would even be on this journey. And so he's saying, if you would all hear a different gospel... It's not from me. And here's that Selah. Here's a beautiful thing. How cool is this? We've all heard the true gospel. Isn't that awesome? There are people, there's places that they are just finding themselves in, in a new city. Maybe they've moved, maybe they've gone to college, and they find themselves in front of a person that's giving false doctrine, that's not telling the truth, that's not sharing just the simple Jesus came and he died for our sins that we might have eternal life. And they're perverting it. And God's sovereign, so He will at some point meet that person and, and show them the truth. But here at Salem, how cool of a thing that as a group of, of believers, we get to receive the truth. We get to be encouraged to go on the way of grace. We get to be encouraged to exercise our faith and to believe, and then to go out and to share it. That's an awesome thing. We're blessed to have that. But for those who do share a different, let them be a curse. Let them be without hope. In verse 10, for, I do, for do I persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would, be, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. A different version says, am I, trying to ple- am I trying to appeal to men? That word persuade, am I trying to get them to think of me in a certain way? Am I trying to get, let, have them get their, am I trying to get their attention for them to look onto me and see that I am something? And you just think about that. You think about trying to please a man. I've, I've been there. I've try, I've, I'm a man pleaser by nature. I, I want those who are in position to see me in a certain way so that I can get. It's, it's, very, it's very selfish. But you think about pleasing a man. I was thinking about going out to eat one time, and uh, I didn't know what to eat. And I'm looking at the menu, and I'm looking at the menu. And if you go out to dinner with my wife, you really know that she does not know what she wants to eat, or a coffee shop, or anything. So you really just need to find the thing she loves, and remind her that she loves it, that so she can have it. And then, but think about just how human nature, we don't know what we want. We, we want this, and then let's say I, I get the chicken parm, and I've got it. I'm sitting down over at um, Chow Blanc, whatever, no. Mama Blanc, I don't know. One of the Italian over here, right? Yeah, Chow Mama, there you go. And I, I have finally made up my mind, and now I have this chicken parm in front of me, and I'm tasting it. I'm like, you know what? This isn't what I want. I wanted something else. How do you please that? How do you, how do you live a life that's, that's going to, to mold to that? And that's why we can no longer be a servant of Christ, because you are way too busy trying to figure out what man wants to give it to them to get something. So stop. Paul's like, I've been there, done that. I had the teachers amongst teachers that I tried to please. And I did a decent job as upholding all of what they asked me to do, and it still left me short. I had this, I, I had this the Lord gave me the saying one time, and, and those you fear, your faith, your faith lie also. You think about that. When we fear man, your fate lies in man's hands. Who wants that? What does man have to give you? Nothing. But if you fear God, your fate lies in their hands. So if you've ever found yourself in a position where you're, you're trying to please man, you're trying to do what man would have you do, you're going to be left short and you're going to be left hung out to dry because you're going to waste a lot of time doing it. And at the end of the day, we could have just been seeking after pleasing the Lord. I, I heard Chuck, Pastor Chuck say it this way, um, an idea of fearing the, fearing the Lord. We know it to be an awe and a reverence that I fear, I know who He is. I know what He's capable of doing. He's an amazing God. I fear Him. And Pastor Chuck said that 
it's not so much what you're afraid that he, yet you're afraid he's going to hurt you, but that you're afraid you're going to hurt him. And it's interesting to think, like, if you have a best friend, you know what makes them tick. You know what, what they enjoy. And, and you study, like, if I'm going to befriend Derek, I'm going to get my gun and we're going to go shooting. It's how we're going to get along. And I've studied it. If I bring him a, a sign that says, you shall not hunt, it's, and he knows that that's not far from who I am, he's, he's going to just, yeah, we can be friends, but we can't really hang out. And so you get to know who your friend is so that you know you don't want to hurt them. And here we have this amazing manual of who God is and what hurts and what breaks his heart, but what also gets him excited. And we, we, uh, we set out by the Holy Spirit to, to know these things and to apply them because we fear God. And then we can actually be a servant of him. In Col- uh, Colossians 3, um, it talks about the bondservant. says, bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service nor man pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's just saying, it's not about man. It's not about man. Please don't let man come in and rip you off. It's always been about Jesus He moves on to verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Again, reflecting back to man. It's not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. We know, Paul, we know that this isn't what he studied. We know this isn't who he sat under as to what they were saying. This was, had to be a revelation of Jesus Christ. And what came to him was the idea of salvation, grace, the gospel, the good news. Jesus Christ dying, actually dying, being resurrected so that we can be saved, so that we can spend eternity. This had to be revealed to Paul because he was after, actually chasing after these men who studied, who, who were Christians. He wanted to kill them because he's like, you are mocking the traditions of my father. You can't just be forgiven, okay? So I'm going to kill all of you who are saying that. It's ridiculous. There's, you don't know what I've gone through, but I've gone through it. And I'm telling you, you've got to go through it. So it had to be a revelation of salvation that came to him through Jesus Christ. I think of Noah's Ark. They didn't know rain. They didn't know flood. There was no point to have a boat in that day. Okay? So you have to imagine that salvation was that they would have a boat because it was going to rain a lot and they were going to get animals in it and they were going to be able to float. Okay, This was a revelation that came from God. An idea of salvation. It couldn't be established by man. It couldn't be thought, why would you need to think of something you don't need? But when God knows there's a need, a need of salvation, and He then reveals to you how to get there, what it's going to take, it's not through man. I think that's a beautiful illustration in the Old Testament that Paul's referring to. I don't, it did not come from man. It had to come from the one who knew the truth about what salvation took. Salvation himself, it came through Jesus. In verse 13, it goes on to say, For you have heard of my former conduct of Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So he's now sharing his testimony. You guys know, I've shared with you. You know where I was at with Judaism. You know how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advance in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries, many of my fellow mates, all of those who were studying. And I, I, I excelled way beyond them because of my zeal for the traditions of my fathers. He's sharing this testimony again to say, this is not the work of man. What you guys are going to, I've already been there. Beautiful correlation 
in Philippians chapter 3. It says, Finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for it is safe. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Have no confidence in the flesh. Have no confidence in what man can do, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised in the eighth day, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Everything he set out to do, everything that man sets out to do, to accomplish on their own, to get where they want to go. He's saying we all were trying to get to God and we were using man's ways to get there. I count it all lost for Christ of what I gained. Everything I set out to do, everything I accomplished, everything I didn't accomplish, I counted as lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost to the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. They are nothing. Paul's telling these churches, whatever man can tell you to do that you might gain, it's nothing. It's going to be nothing. I've done it all. I am, and it was nothing. It was rubbish. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but which is through the faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God by faith. Paul's like, we were all striving to be righteous. And just upholding our own. We were all trying to do, do, do. And we weren't. We didn't accomplish righteousness. But we are righteous. Why? Because of our faith in Christ. So what do you have to do? Belief. How beautiful. For us to be righteous before God Almighty, you know what we have to do? Belief. Perform nothing. Be no one. But a follower of Jesus, trusting Him in in our day-to-day walks. Verse 10, That I might know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if if by any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead. I, it was all garbage. It was all not worth it. But now what I set out to do is to understand Him and the power of His resurrection because we know that brings true life. The fellowship of His sufferings because we know from His sufferings came glory. Being conformed to His death. If by any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead. If by any means I too might live. And he goes on to say, Not that I have already attained this or am perfect in it, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which is Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to be apprehended, but one thing I do is forgetting those things that are behind me and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. I press on toward the, the goal for the prize of the upward call in God in Christ Jesus. That's, that is what we are to be doing. We're not supposed to be out trying to do it on our own, trying to wake up and think that we can, because we can't but that we might join Jesus in the death so that we might join Jesus in the resurrection. We might put to death the things of the flesh that want to strive to please man, that want to strive to be righteous in our own eyes. We need to put those things to death so that we can be found alive in Jesus. In verse 15, he goes on to say, But when it pleased, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son to me, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. This section blows my mind. It really puts to bed, it really dismembers any idea that what we do can bring God glory in ourselves. It really just stops the argument that we have anything. He says, but when it pleased God. So now we're, we have a, a God who's pleased. And, and that's, a, that's an amazing thing to behold. When you're actually operating where you're pleasing God. God is pleased. God Almighty looks down and is pleased. 
He separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. He was pleased. He separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach him amongst the Gentiles. That word separated was a very big term that they used. It was, it was for the high priest that they were separated. And this man, he's saying it pleased God that when he was separated from his, during his, the time of being in his mom's womb, I think about anyone who's pregnant and you have a kid in there. And at that time, when he's all wrapped up in a lot of stuff, (laughs) at that moment, that's when he's separated. That's when he was separated. What did you do to deserve that? What did you accomplish? Where were your performance? What were your good works? What were your failures? How, how, did you, how did you become separated and called in your mother's womb? And we shall all go, wow, thank you that I don't have to continue on in this madness of performance and works-based doctrine and this perversion of the gospel. Wow. You mean you, you already separated me before I showed you what I could do for you and how I was so good at doing this? You already separated me? You already called me? Just in my mom's wombs? I was talking to Derek, and it's like, you don't want him to come out because you're so excited to meet this little righteous fellow or girl. <laughs> but he said, my wife's ready to be done because she's done. <laughs> like, he's done no, she's done nothing exciting that... We're ready. She's like, we want you out because it's time. And it's not even time yet. How cool that that's where we are counted. That that's where when God looks on, we have already done nothing. But it's what He sees. The work He wants us to be part of, the relationship He wants to have with us, that's where He sees it happen. Before the foundations of the earth. He had already known. And He already knows. And that is... Such an encouraging thing. And He called me through His grace. Again, we see grace operating as, as calling out. And that He would reveal His Son in me. That, this, that His Son would, would be inside of me. Not just to me. Not that I would just see Christ. But I would actually experience Him in me, transforming my life. Taking away the old man and producing the new. And then He sent me on mission that I might preach Him amongst the Gentiles. We now see that His grace is also for our mission. When the grace is upon your life, that means that very grace is also there to, to usher you into the calling that you have on your life. So when, you, when we pray, Lord, would you have grace on my life, what He's also in, introducing and putting to that is, I will have grace. And what my grace is able to do is to separate you, to call you, and to put you on mission. To fill you with the gifts and the talents that I have ready to go and to accomplish that. He then said, I did not immediately convert, convert with flesh and blood. I didn't, go and, I, I didn't go and share this with anybody. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia, which was on its way to Damascus, and then returned to Damascus. I didn't need to go talk to anybody. This revelation came. You don't have to... Re, you don't, it, when it comes, it's there, and it's from the Lord, and it's personal. I didn't need to go talk to anybody. It says, then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. I was with Peter for 15 days after three years with the Lord. I can't even imagine what happened in those three years. What were the conversations he was having with the Lord? Probably spent two of them crying. Probably spent two of them crying with rejoicing and praising. I mean, he was on the road to death causing death. And the Lord, in His sovereignty and His grace, took him out of that. Already had a plan way before that day that he would go on. We've all been on a road to death. We've all been snatched out. We don't need man to tell us that. But we do get to go and just be with Him and rejoice and to praise and to worship. 19, it says, But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. 
Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. I'm writing these things and I'm telling you the truth. Though people are coming in and they're saying that I'm a liar and that I, I'm, I'm a blasphemer and that I'm, I don't actually know God, I'm actually telling you the truth. Please don't listen to them. But what I'm telling you, it's not a lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was unknown by face to the churches. They didn't know me by face of Judea, which were in Christ. I went to the Christians. They had no idea who I was by my face. They didn't say, oh, that's, that was Saul. He was a bad man. But in verse 23, it says, but they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. Now he set out. He spent time with the Lord. He, he did get in touch with Peter. He did go over and to see James. Probably gave him a hug and said, I'm sorry. Probably said, I'm sorry to Peter. I'm sorry. And, and then he goes and he just starts sharing the gospel. Share, you got to know this Jesus. you got to know His grace. you got to know that we have salvation. It's here. The Messiah came. It's going to be good. You just need to believe. You just need to have faith. Nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. But everything that He's done to believe in, that we can now have. And they looked at him and were just like, this has got to be a work of God. Don't we want that in our lives? That when people look in, I have a dear brother in the Lord, and he was gone for a while. And he came back and everyone was saying, hey, it's so good to have you back. It's so good to have you back. And I was sitting in there talking with him. And he was just like, Jordan, I don't want people to, you know, glad to have me back because I'm a good person or a kind person or a friend. I want them to be glad that I'm back because when I left, what I bring in my calling through the grace of God was missing. And so now that I'm back, it can be once again appreciated. I have found myself in a position where I've left. And when you've left and you've been operated in the flesh and you've been on your own and you've been trying to do your own thing, when you leave, everything just continues on. If it was done in the flesh, it stood for no value, no worth. Nothing God could do with. And so when you leave and a team's just like, where are the balls dropping and none are dropping? Where, where are we? Nothing. I get to go, wow. Man brings nothing to the table. Because when man leaves... God's ministry of reconciliation keeps going. But imagine that you operate in the giftings of God and the calling of God boldly, confidently. You know He met you on the road. It is good, it is good, it is good that you came because I was going to a bad place. And you invest and you care more about God and, and, and people than yourself. And you invest and you care, and you operate, and you ask God, please keep filling me. Please keep filling me with this grace. Please give me your grace. Do not. I, you invited me in. That means if you don't invite me, I'm not in. And I want to be in. I want to. Would you invite me in? He goes, I've invited you in. I've invited you in. The grace is there. The love is there. Come on in, my child. Come on in. Now, now grow. Now, now go. Grow, go, and be, and represent, and share. And now as you start operating, imagine now the guy who once was just operating in the flesh, operating on his own, scared about everything, not trustworthy, isolated and dead, being nothing to what God was doing, is now Holy Spirit filled, born again, again, and alive and cares and seeks after the things of heaven so that all other things are added on. And now if there's a time of going away and coming back, people are like, man, we're glad you're back. Not because of anything you do or brought or said or done. It's who God is in you, and we glorify God for that. So just wrapping up, I wrote this. The grace of God, the grace of Jesus, it brings us things. It's not just we need grace. This is what comes with grace, that attribute of God. The grace of God calls we see that in verse 6. We see that He called us with the grace. He used grace to call us. Today, when grace falls upon your life, you get called. What a beautiful thing. It's nice to get a phone call. I got a phone call from a friend the other yesterday, and it was just good to hear. 
it's way better to get called by your Heavenly Father. And not only a call, but a call to separate. We, we, we see that when we were mentioning the mother's womb down in 15. But when it pleases God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace, that grace separated me. So not only does our Heavenly Father call us, but He then separates us. He sets us apart. You're not just in the world anymore. You're called to have a relationship, but now I'm separating you. I'm taking you out of that. I'm putting you somewhere else. And then in that grace, it was grace for Him to reveal His Son in me. And we all know when that revelation takes place and He comes within, that Holy Spirit comes in and we're filled. We're filled with so much. We're filled with Him who brings the gifts, the, the wisdom, the discernment, the understandings, the depths of our the, knowing that wisdom found in the secret place. We get all that with Him. We get to interpret His Word. We get to be, we're now, what I would say, equipped through His grace. So He calls us into a relationship. He separates us. He says, no longer will you be on mission for yourself and for the Lord, but for me, or for the world, but for me. He then equips us with His Holy Spirit and the gifts that He given us through His grace. And then it says that, you know, for, for Paul, it was that I might preach among the Gentiles. He then gives us a mission. He then sends. How cool. A heavenly message saying, this is what I've called you to do, now go and do it. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And it's going to be amazing. And then lastly, as we just read in verse 24, that same grace that calls, separates, equips, sends, it glorifies God. So now, how cool you get to point back to God. I am who I am, but I only am because of who He's done. We know in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says that, I am who I am only because. But because of this grace, I've labored harder than anybody else. Because I've labored for the, for the lie really hard. I'm my own conviction. I have to labor really hard for the truth. And that's for us. That this grace isn't just to have so we can slip on by and be good. It's to go on mission. It's to be called, separated, equipped, to be sent and to glorify and ultimately, it saves. We know that by grace, through faith, we've been saved. So be encouraged this morning. And keep, keep, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking. Lord, would you continue to reveal to me who you are? Because when I begin to grab glimpses of who you are, it helps me become more like you. And so, may the grace of our Lord be with all of us, because we need it. Amen? Thank you for joining us as we studied the Word this morning. If you would like more information about Sela Fellowship, please visit us on the web at salafellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.